0: Hey, it's Fei Wu, creator of the Phase World podcast and marketing services. And you're listening to a new mini series on Phase World called How to Freelance for Independent Creators. In this series, we speak to the tactics of working as a freelancer from health insurance to taxes, incorporation, but also the human side of things such as marketing, negotiation, downtime, or burnout, all inside a bite sized mini series. Each episode is 15 minutes or less. Hi there, this is Faye again, and I'm bringing forward another episode of the How to Freelance mini series. Originally for this episode, I was going to talk about and and dive into different types of retirement plans for freelancers, you know, the simple 401k, SEP IRA, that sort of thing. But I changed my mind. What is the point of, you know, asking people to save money or ways to save money without understanding or talking about the big picture of money? I personally use a very simple approach to grow my money every day. So in this episode, I wanna summarize the key points and credit the folks and mentors who taught me everything along the way. Here's a quick disclaimer. I haven't talked much about money on Phase World, and here's why. A part of me feels like, you know, I'm not really qualified to talk about money, and this isn't a financial blog per se. And there seems to be endless articles on the internet already anyone can browse and read for months. But some of the success stories, I must say, aren't very relatable or too complex. It's like you're trying to trick the system, which you'll find out in a second that you really can't. Lastly, I haven't really made it by the common standard. I'm not a multimillionaire. I haven't really figured out a way to live off what I have forever and ever and own my private jets. So I thought, you know, by sharing some of my lessons with family and friends privately, it has really helped a lot of people in the past. So I would like to surface this type of tips and tricks to you guys, my listeners. So if you find this, even the slightest helpful, uh, please let me know and maybe tell your friends as well. Uh, I would love to be able to produce more content like this. A bit about my background, I became obsessed with personal finance and books in my very early 20s when I was still in college. Uh, this is because my parents really didn't teach me anything about finance, especially personal finance and investment while I was growing up. Um, As you guys probably found out from previous episodes, they both uh, were artists and my mom still is a working artist today. She has done very well for herself and I love them both very much. But when it comes to finance, it just doesn't seem like that is of their interest. So I carved out my own path and decided to learn everything on my own as much as I can and validate it, make mistakes as I go along. Um, Especially in my 20s, I really didn't make that much money to put a huge risk on some of the decisions I made. And I've always been very conservative with my investment choices. So this article and this whole process hopefully It's an exploratory process. You know, as an immigrant, like myself living in America, and I moved here when I was 17, I had to be very proactive about managing my own money and just trying to be a grown up very early on. I know some of you guys uh, had your parents to turn to perhaps or, you know, had brothers and sisters to talk to. I'm an only child. So, you know, I, I really have to kind of figure a lot of this out on my own. This subject, by the way, can be very controversial. I get that. So I welcome your comments, which you can simply go to faceworld.com forward slash freelance. You'll be able to see there is a send voicemail bright orange button. You can send me any questions and I would love to start a, a helpful discussion and maybe share some more comments with people who have spent very little time understanding their own financial situations. So a couple of housekeeping items i know people don't like to talk about this but i think it's very important so the first thing before we dive right into making money or how to smartly invest your money is to understand your spending pattern and behavior what i mean by that is please do the math and don't just guess the number i spoke with so many people you know while having dinner and such and simply asked them hey do you know how much money you're spending over the course of one month, six months, and they usually scratch their heads and, you know, trying to imagine a number. Um, So please pull out your credit card statements, mortgage statements. I'm not as worried about mortgage, not because they're not significant, clearly they are, but they're more or less consistent throughout the year, the months. If you look at your credit card payments, say from the past 12 months, it will tell you a lot about your pattern, your behavior, And through, you can actually average out and see how much you're actually spending per month. Some of the banks and credit card companies even give you a quarterly review so you can easily see how much you spend on utilities, um, on fashion, household items, on your investments and such. The big picture here really matters. It's important to also go through these or this particular exercise a few times a year just to see if there are changes to your spending, there are any life events uh, that will become very obvious. Also, for me personally, it's it's easy enough uh, to spot unusual activities. So I know a lot of people are really worried about that and you should. Or simply look at services, software, memberships that you no longer need and should really get rid of. Second thing is to get rid of the excess stuff that, you know, stuff in your house, stuff that you don't need without sacrificing the quality of your life. The quality of your life or anybody else's life, it's actually quite different. There is no golden standard of what makes you happy. So use myself as an example. I still drive the same car from 2008 and I love it. I'm still not interested in jewelries, and I don't care for brands and items that are just in for the year. I do love buying clothes uh, from the sales rack, which can be a problem too, but I've gotten much better at not going shopping as much. I admit that shopping for me can be therapeutic. I love to look through different items. I love to try things on from time to time. But these days, just trying a lot of things on, maybe take a couple of pictures, but I don't feel the need or have the need to have to purchase them all, even if they're great deals. Also, between 2017 and 19, I went through several rounds of significant cleanups, mostly for my clothing items, as you probably imagined, and I donated them to several charities. I recommend, you know, Dress for Success, Women's Shelters, big brothers and sisters. They're great resources. They even offer to drive up to your house sometimes and pick things up. Most recently, my partner and I gave away a like-new elliptical machine and a stationary bike. that were taking up so much space, uh, particularly in one of my rooms. So liberating. Since I turned 30, which has been, you know, a number of years at this point, I started to appreciate fewer and better things. Though I haven't really gone through the true Marie Kondo process where the Swedish desk cleaning, which has gotten really popular uh, in the past couple of years, understanding the mindset of keeping life simple as it should be is a huge step for me forward. By the way, I do spend money on things I really enjoy, such as uh, my wonderful gym membership at Lifetime Fitness, a place I go nearly every day, sometimes twice a day. So if you contact me, just reach out to me. I'm happy to share my favorite Zumba instructors with you guys in the Massachusetts area. Plus, I'll send you a free pass that you can go visit at um, at a Lifetime Fitness gym anywhere in the United States, I believe. Other than that, I spend money on learning new things such as books and courses I enjoy and plenty of domestic and international travel. If you follow me on Instagram, also at FaceWorld, often combining my work when I travel as a podcaster and freelancer, it's sort of my version of travel, a travel diary where I get to travel and interview people on the road in person and later share on my podcast, which currently has over 200 episodes already. Okay, let's dive into investment. My advice to all of you is to start investing in 401k right away. If you work full time, you have an employer, chances are that they will contribute or uh, add to every dollar their 25 cents of the contribution. That's free money, seriously. I started when I was 23 at my first job, but if you are 30, 35, 40, doesn't matter talk to your HR, talk to the appropriate department, open up an account right away. If you're like me and find yourself in your late 20s, your 30s, that you're dipped into several investment companies, I don't know, Vanguard, betterman, whatever it is, you may want to consolidate them and that will save you time and headaches later on because when your investment gets messy, you don't want to look there, if you know what I mean. you got to find the passwords, you got to understand or worry about the fees that you're spending on working with these companies. Just remember that most of you guys, myself included, aren't experts in the field. So simplifying things will help you a whole lot over the years. And also something you want to avoid is that a company such as Vanguard, which I'll dive into a bit more details in a second. You know, I'm not an affiliate, but Vanguard is simply the best. One of my consulting clients, um, Jerry, a shout out to you. Thank you so much for telling me about this back in 2005. I knew very little about Vanguard and I just opened up an account and consistently contributed to my uh, investment in Vanguard because it offers such a variety of funds that you can invest in. If you look at Betterment or other services alike, you'll notice that so so many of them actually invest in Vanguard as well. They will put your money in Vanguard. So it really makes no sense for me to have both, for example, Vanguard and Betterment because then you just have overlapping accounts. And um, my favorite funds, just to spit it out, is going to be the passive index funds. Index funds that are very popular at Vanguard um, basically are what they call the total market index, which offers really good diversification already. That's why it's called the total index fund. A lot of people talk about S&P 500, which is super similar to total market because the S&P 500 is pretty much the majority of, you know, that, you know, markets and companies are already performing very well, very steady. But when I spoke with an advisor at Vanguard, he simply suggested that why not total market index fund, which just give you a little more diversification. When you switch employer, by the way, a lot of people have experienced that you can get your money out of your old 401k into a new one straight away. It's called a rollover 401k, which you can't really touch or spend before the age of 59 and a half. But, you know, again, a shout out to Vanguard. They also manage rollover like a pro. It's a matter of a phone call. You fill out some paperwork, sign it. And most of these companies who manage rollover 401k makes it so easy for you that so often, you never have to speak to your old 401k company again. And trust me, I did not want to talk to some of them. So uh, for some of you at this point, you're thinking, oh my God, Faye, you're very lucky. Maybe you're debt-free, which I am. We have lots of debt and we're just wondering whether, you know, I should contribute to my 401k right away or pay off my debt first. On phaseroll.com for this blog article, I included a detailed article that speaks specifically to your question. The simple math basically says, look, if you have a super high interest rate credit card, you know, some of them is as high as 18%. That's crazy. You want to pay off the highest interest rate credit cards as fast as you possibly can and kind of go in order. And at that point, it's maybe an idea to pay that off first before you invest in 401k. But really, it depends on your situation. Um, as you know, the long-term goal for 401k, and especially if you invest in something like the total market index funds, conservatively speaking, you're looking at a annual return of between 5 to 7%. And that's why you want to pay off your 18% interest rate credit card first. I think you know what I mean. Um, but... It, the article also suggests that a lot of people consider investing in both. You know, what you want to do is try to pay off your credit card as quickly as you can, as well as investing in 401k. When finally you're debt free, you can invest in 401k a lot more and such. So take a look at the article. It's a good one. Okay, I want to say a few more good words on Vanguard, if I may. At Vanguard, I am a regular. Uh, today, I'm my regular non-retirement investment, my retirement investment funds, and also my Roth IRA, and last but not least, my SEP IRA. For SEP IRA, it's something I opened since I started my company, FaceWorld LLC. And in the next couple of episodes, I'll actually dive right into the retirement funds you could still have as a sole pr- uh, proprietor, as well as you know running a small company, even without an employer. Vanguard has a very responsive and kind customer service team. It's never been a long wait for me to speak with someone on the line. I know a lot of you guys prefer that, which is to speak to a real person, get real answers. In terms of investment strategy, um, if you don't have a clue, Vanguard Financial Advisor will answer the basic questions for you. However, if you're looking into having the team actively manage your assets at Vanguard, they have lowered their minimum investment to have a what they called a Personal um, finance advisory team. The minimum investment now is fifty thousand dollars. You can double check with them. That is the low, lowest that they've ever had. And years ago, the minimum minimum used to be hundred k. I personally stayed with their personal advisory service in my thirty in my early thirties for a couple of years. Their team helped me rebalance the assets and made sure it was appropriate for my age at the time. My goals and, and send, align with my goals and sent reports to me every quarter. I actually learned a lot from the experience, but eventually I decided, decided to pause my service since my investment really is very simple and straightforward. If you are like me, below the age of 40, Vanguard or other investment companies will recommend that you keep most of your money in stocks. And that's not a surprise because... Stocks offer the most risks and also the most rewards um, beyond age 40, depending on your life changes, um, your life changes or mine, I may return to their personal advisor service just to see how I can make appropriate changes to, to the money I have. Okay, so let's talk about index funds for a second. So to me and to anyone I have spoken with so far, index fund is the answer. So ditch, please ditch the actively managed mutual funds. How you invest your money is key. So, you know, early on in my in, in my investment, 401k or otherwise, uh, I think some of you have heard the 2040, 2050 mutual funds. I mean, those those years are somewhat, somewhat uh, arbitrary. It basically aims at your potential retirement year. So, you know, if you're like me, 35, 36, you're looking at that, looking to retire around, you know, say 2045, 2050. So those mutual funds supposedly is aimed at your needs throughout the year. And what it quote unquote promises is someone is actively managing that and to adapt your aging process and to make sure you diversify as you age. My favorite type of mutual funds, as you probably guessed it, it's the index fund. Here's basically a few bullet points I found through different articles on Rami Seti, which uh, you will will see uh, on this blog post. I have linked to Rameet's website, Uh, also Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, and and a gentleman you probably haven't heard of. um, His name is um, Darius uh, Faroe. He lives in Amsterdam. It's just been super helpful. So I summarized a few things that they have talked about, mostly Ramit, that hopefully will ring the bell. Mutual funds are typically managed by fund manager who picks all the investments in the portfolio. This is often a big selling point for beginner investors who don't have much experience and would rather place their faith in an quote-unquote expert in the mutual fund world. Many funds charge Mutual funds charge an expense ratio as well as possible upfront fees in order to run by that quote-unquote expert, but they rarely beat the market. And the market here, we're referring to the index funds. Warren Buffett once answered the question uh, at a conference when a gentleman uh, of around the age 30, and he said, how would you, Warren, invest if you only have $100,000? And Warren Buffett replied with index fund right away. Index funds are not the only form of passive investing, but they're the most common form. An index fund defines the stocks or bonds it owns by owning the same stocks as those that are included in the known uh, measured indexes, such as the S&P 500 or the Russell 2000. Invest defensively. Don't lose money if you don't have to, because most people reading this um, article isn't making multi-six-figure incomes uh, many of the premium investment opportunities aren't open to you or to me. For example, with a regular salary between 50k to 200k per year, it's it's really important to invest defensively. I think that concept just cannot be overemphasized. You have a lot to lose, and it's not worth taking the risks. So if you try to Google S&P 500 average return, the S&P 500 index fund uh, originally began in 1926, I know that's a long time ago, as the composite index compromises of only 90 stocks. According to historical records, the average annual return since its inception in 1926 through 2018 is approximately 10%. The average annual return since adopting 500 stocks into the index since 1957 through 2018 is roughly 8% or precisely 7.96%. Look, you cannot plan your life based on the best-case scenario depending on who you are. A safe estimate is most people use is around 5 to 6% of return from S&P 500 passive index funds. So imagine if you have a million dollars in investment, you're looking at an annual return of about 50 to $60,000. This isn't bad, especially if you're having still having other sources of income as well. Very, very few mutual funds have beaten the index fund. Index fund has consistently beaten most of the other mutual funds, investors, fund managers, who say they can predict the market are just simply not being truthful. I really wanna say that they're just lying, but they're not being truthful. I hope you get the idea. The next category, the next big thing I wanna talk to you about is automating your money. So thanks to Rami Seti again, automating your money or what Rami calls it as the building a bulletproof personal finance system worked for me and still works for me very well. I included a link so you can read in greater details on my blog, basically, after receiving your paycheck or receiving my paycheck um, since my mid-20s, I followed the routine of one, contribute to uh, my 401k. I did between 5 to 10% consistently out of every paycheck. And, and that amount, I know 5 to 10% is a big difference. I made changes really based on the salary I was earning and my lifestyle at the time. Two, I always like to max out my Roth IRA, so I make sure to set aside an additional 5% from my paycheck just for that. For example, Roth IRA contribution limit was $6,000 in 2019. Three, I organize my credit card payments so that they're due more or less on the same day or within a few days. Did you know you can actually pick the day of the month um, for all kinds of payments that you have that are recurring on a monthly basis, including your credit card payments, your phone bills, and such? So personally, I picked, you know, the seventh of every month. Because I get paid on the first and the fifth around the first and fifteenth of every month. And I also wanted to avoid the rent payment towards the end of the month. So the first couple of weeks really made the most sense. Number four. Because of this automated system, I haven't been living paycheck to paycheck for many years. Uh, I'm a conservative spender and a disciplined saver. I give myself peace of mind, especially when I first started freelancing in January 2016. At that time, I had much more than a year worth of savings to allow me to choose the gigs more freely and the ability to give myself a break if needed. And the last rant of today's episode is about diversification of your income. Or better, create more scalable income. So in my episode with Dory Clark about a year ago on her new book, Entrepreneurial You, is referenced and linked through our um, blog post. And in that book, Entrepreneurial You, Dory Clark basically went into so many details and so many ways and channels and verticals of how you could begin to build your uh, multi-stream income. And she herself at the time had nine different streams of income. And it's so fascinating. So what does that mean? Income diversification for most people means that they should seek income outside of their one and only full-time job. Dory openly talked about her layoff in early 2000 and when she had only two weeks of sovereign pay. So if you have more than one source of income, even if it's insignificant at first, will make all the difference. The question that people ask me often is how do you start? Perhaps you are a nights and weekends warrior doing graphic design for a client or two. That's an additional income source to the full-time job you have. If you have certain skills you want to market or test out, but you don't know how to get your first few clients, Upwork.com isn't a bad option to start. In fact, many US-based, experienced freelancers are on Upwork making very good money. There are also offshore resources that are charging one-tenth as much as you do. While the competition is there, it's a good way to practice and find out what you're good at. You build up your portfolio and may meet a few clients who become long-term customers. Another thing is selling on eBay. I know it sounds crazy, but in 2006, I started to practice and learn how to sell on eBay. Started off with water bottles and I was only making like a dollar or two profit from each sales. But later I discovered even places such as TJ Maxx and Marshalls that sell very high-end products for a huge discount. Often once you relist them with the details that you need, this should be as uh, a separate episode, but I don't know how many of you guys really want to learn how to sell on eBay. It's really an art in itself. Um, yeah, I started to make money from understanding uh, the fashion trends for the year, even though I myself. I'm not really all that interested in the latest and greatest, but a lot of people in and outside of the United States are are into that. I remember selling items to customers in Italy for much more than what I paid for in the U.S., but they may be models that they cannot get in Italy or simply over there, you know, maybe there's less discount. But what I realized was that there were so many other ways to make money. Let's talk about creating more scalable income for a second. If you have a blog, you start writing about books, services, products that you love is a great starting point. From there, you can open up an Amazon affiliate account just to see how it works. For example, the payout for small ticket items such as books is very insignificant. However, if you're into more expensive items that you want to write and blog about, such as electronics, camera equipment, the payout can be quite good over time. I included on my blog uh, for this particular episode all the additional readings and resources that I love, uh, including um, Darius Farrow, Pat Flynn, Joanna Penn from The Creative Pen on books and writing and travel. Um, her episode is coming up soon on Face World. Also, Mr. Money Mustache. So you may be wondering at this point, what are some of the income streams I have Right now, to be honest, I have about four to five sources of uh, incomes at the moment, depending on how you look at it. Number one, I have different consulting clients from different parts of the U.S., and some of them are in... Uh, California more of them are in New York and of course where I'm located here in Boston and by having different consulting clients it's already a plus because even if one or two of them drop out they can't pay for certain months then you always have other clients that you're working for as well I also do one-on-one consulting uh, for phase world people can book an hour or two of my time I have a calendar and I consult about things such as how to launch your podcast in China uh, how to build your own brand you know things like that or how to become a podcaster who can begin monetizing even without all the millions of downloads thirdly i run a podcaster's mastermind called alt podcasters you can actually learn more on faceworld.com forward slash alt podcasters for a group of people and i target people who really care about their crafts and not just about the downloads and making money and advertising and affiliate. So I have a lovely group of people, very intimate setting and, you know, people I look forward to talking to all the time. Fourth and last, which is actually a small group of things, which are the courses I've been building and collaborating with my friends and, and colleagues. And this is sort of a future thing for me because it's still in progress. Um, the first thing is called the Jorge Dance, J-O-R-G-E dance.com. This is a dance course focused on uh, Latin dance, um, Zumba, and we have sort of a two-part series for people who are at home, you know, busy moms and dads who can make it to their gym uh, even if it's super close so we give people the opportunity to dance to a series of videos there are already uh, free videos on YouTube that you can subscribe and dance to for free but we're also building a course for people perhaps like yourself and uh, the other part of the dance course is geared uh, towards instructors where we're teaching people how to be better instructors, how to look for gigs in and outside of uh, what you currently have the second part, also as a in a course format, as I'm working with my friend Steve Young on over, overseas Chinese marketing for American companies who want to target overseas Chinese people. So at the moment, the majority of my income comes from consulting, which is a version of still trading time for money. I totally get it. I still have a lot to learn, a lot to practice, and to be more aligned with a scalable income model, even though the theory and all the information is already there for me. It takes time um, to really generate the content to kind of find you groove. I have a good feeling that I'll be making a lot of progress in 2019. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I know this is a little bit of a longer episode and maybe, and I hope it sparks a lot of your thoughts, your friends' thoughts and questions from, you know, your network. I am all ears. Please get in touch with me. Hello at faceworld.com or better send me in voicemail on faceworld.com forward slash freelance. All right. That's it for now. I will talk to you next week.